Welcome to The New Monks. This podcast is dedicated to those of us on the journey of evolution. Through these episodes, we will dive into the lives of individual people and discover what they have learned and how they have handled their growth. How we begin is just to take a few deep breaths in. Feels good. <laughs> yeah, and then that's it. Okay. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, it's good. I had a eventful journey over here in my car, but um. Did you? Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I feel good. I slept really good. Maybe feeling a little sluggish. On a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good. Especially with a camera in my face. <laughs> <laughs> so do you not usually sleep well? No, I do sleep well. Um, but I don't know, sometimes I, I feel still asleep when I, when I wake up. You still feel really sleepy? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's so a lot of the time. <laughs> but have you always, has it always been like that? Not really. No, just sometimes that's how it is. I mean, I was out last night. Okay, yeah. So I went to bed quite late and maybe I was, mm. I don't know. Sometimes that's how it is. But no, I, I feel good. Yeah. Ready, ready to tell everyone about myself. Ready for <laughs> My life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. Let's do this. Let's do it. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I've, I've obviously spoken to you a lot about your journey over the past. Oh, yeah. yeah. We talk a lot. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and this is, I don't even know where to begin, but let's begin at the beginning. <laughs> well, I was born in 1978. <laughs> yeah, is that the beginning? Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> I went to school in... Um, I guess... Uh, Where does one start? Yeah, I know. That's crazy, isn't it? I guess uh, it starts when... My, my spiritual journey, is that what we want to talk about really, where that began? began. Yeah. So that began um, in my early 20s, and I guess I had... Um, most of my 20s was spent like doing self-development programs. I think I was a bit unusual... I think most people at the time were probably doing all sorts of other stuff, you know, like partying and going out and who knows what. And I, I remember I worked in the city and on my desk, I just had piles of books, like spiritual books. Wow. <laughs> like, in the, I was working for an equity brokerage. That's crazy. And I had like 15 books just piled around my desk and everyone was like, oh, look, that's what, that's what Tom does. And that was, that was like from the age of 22. Wow. Um, so... I guess I started quite early and it's interesting, isn't it? Like why we have that interest. Yeah. How is it that I find it interesting? What is it about me that is drawn to that, that topic? Yeah, at that age. At that age. I mean, that's a weird one. I mean, it's something to reflect upon, like why we're motivated and what motivates us. I mean, yeah. That's a big conversation to have. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. But I was, I was motivated um, to do that, I guess. And um, and also I was quite ill in my early twenties, 
Yeah. And that's what like pushed me to try and find out, uh, you know, what life was about and understand suffering. Mm. You know, because I think suffering is one thing that really pushes and motivates you to um, to look deeper and to try and make sense of life and try and understand why circumstances are the way they are. So really, I think suffering's a blessing. Yeah, it's difficult to see that though. I think that's a real skill. Yeah to be able to um, see it that way. Definitely. Because you can have the same thing happen to two different people. Yeah. And one thing, one, you know, for one of those people, it can wreck them. Yeah. And the other person, it can make them. And some people get caught up in the suffering. Yeah, and right. How do you get out of it? <laughs> right, they don't even know that they can get out of it. Yeah. They're like, this is just how life is and life sucks. Yeah, that's so true. And sometimes you can't get out of it. Uh-uh. That's part of the thing as well, but not to be resigned about that. So I think, I think suffering in general is how we grow and how we learn. And when things are going well, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not like reflecting on it. I'm like, why are things going so well? I've got yeah. to understand this. Yeah. You're just yeah, enjoying yeah. the ride. Yeah. yeah. It's only when things aren't going so well that you, I think, they, and then even when they're not going well, people can deal with that in different ways. Some people can drink, some people can have lots of sex. Some, some people take lots of drugs. Some people are ostriches, they put their heads in the ground. That's so true. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just how they, they've they learned how to deal with those things. Yeah. But for me, the way I dealt with it was I started reading and researching and understanding um, from a young age. And that was, um, yeah, that was, I guess that's how I dealt with things. Mm. It's not easy as well in the West. I mean, I guess that's where we are. It's not encouraged to do those things. I think sort of self-development, spiritual development is still kind of kind of a foreign subject for a lot of people. I don't think it's naturally like where we gravitate towards when things go south. No, you know, when yeah, the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Also, sometimes it's a bit like, oh, what is that? Like, oh, it's got a weird stigma. Yeah. It. Yeah, it has got a weird stigma. <laughs> right. It has got a weird stigma. And I think, I think for those people that are really in it, they actually like it's something they're I guess kind of proud of or it's something that they uh, like to share about but I think it can have it can have yeah. a, a, a yeah. weird a weird stigma I mean when I was in my early 20s the reason I got into it was I got genital herpes mm-hmm. like at a young age and um, that's that was kind of difficult for me because you know as a young man you know I was always, always interested in meeting, meeting women yeah. Going out, drinking alcohol, yeah. and taking drugs. Yeah. Those were like, that's what life was about when you're 22 years old. And because that's a skin virus at the time, um, that's related to your emotions. So I had to really stop drinking alcohol, stop doing drugs, and it ruined my confidence with women. So as a young man, I asked myself the question, you know, if I can't do these things, how can I be happy? How can I be happy if I if I don't have... Mm. If I can't have these things that give me pleasure in the external world. Yeah, if they're taken away from you. Yeah, right, exactly. So I kind of look at that experience as a blessing. Mm. I was very grateful for it. And I wrote a book called Herpes Saved My Life, yeah. right? <laughs> Love it. Um, and a lot of people came to me, actually. They were, like, they, they'd be like, oh, I've got a friend of mine who who has herpes and... Can you help me? And they'd always be asking about themselves. 
Yeah, Obviously, yeah, they didn't yeah. want to tell me that they had a... <laughs> but part of the thing, I mean, look, the reason... So, you know, I got into hypnosis and I, I taught hypnosis at college and I got into healing my body. Like, I was going to, like, how can I... Not only how can I feel happy without these things in my life, but also how can I heal this condition that I've got? Because generally speaking, there's not... There, yeah. There's not a, a cure for it. For and that's why I got into hypnosis, because it's very much linked to your emotions... And even though you can have the virus, you don't necessarily have to have it active or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I, you know, I think those were unusual circumstances, I think, in general, for a young, yeah. a young person. And why did you think that you could heal it? Because um, I did the research. Oh, because you were reading all those books? Yeah, I was doing, I did the research and I looked into different, different treatments and different approaches and the unconscious mind. I just thought, you know what, I'm not going to let this ruin my life. Nice, yeah. It was very strong. Like, there was a moment where I was just literally, I was just like, this is, this is not going <laughs> to... No! Is, this is not how the story's going to end. <laughs> That's amazing. But it was that, that that put me on the spiritual path. Yeah. If that, if, 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 I, if that hadn't happened, I would be, you know, I'd be out just doing what I always did. And that's fine. It's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But obviously there was a different path for me. Yeah. And that was out of my hands. You know, I didn't choose to get ill. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. I didn't choose for it to change me in that way. It did. Like I didn't choose to respond to suffering. I just happened to have a, a, a predisposition for dealing with it in a constructive way. Yeah. Most people just like to forget about it or you know, do whatever. Yeah. And part of the way of dealing with it was destigmatizing, like telling everyone. Yeah, that's part of the it's not, Yeah, it's yeah. not. An, it's not an issue anymore. Part of the problem that keeps it in place is that people don't like to talk about it. Yeah. But it's just a very normal thing. Yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of people have got it. So, and in the process, I also managed to like heal myself from, you know, achieve my intentions. It took about ten years. But. So I guess that's where it all began for me. Ten years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I look. I guess I look back. It was a very sad period of my life. But at the time. Yeah, at the time I was. <clears throat> yeah, it was. It was. It was tough. It was very, very, very tough. But at the same time, you know, I think it it put my life on a trajectory that I couldn't really have imagined. And it's only now looking back at it now, like reflecting on your life to see how yeah. your life has kind of, you know, how it, how it goes the way it does. Like what yeah. are the, you know? What are those events? Who are those people? What are those circumstances which, you know, set our path on a particular yeah. way? Yeah, yeah. You know, good or bad. It's crazy, isn't it? Because you can you don't know when you're in in the moment. Yeah. A lot of the time, it can be quite confusing. Yeah. And it's like, what's happening? Yeah. And then as time passes, it's like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it takes so long. I mean, <laughs> you know, you yeah. like. You'd like to have maybe some more insight sooner. Yeah, that's so true. It's like this impatience. And everyone always yeah. says, look, this happens for a reason. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. But yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, it's difficult to feel. It's difficult to feel that. Yeah. But also, it. you know, I'm really, I think how you deal with situations and dealing with them with dignity and integrity, I think that's, you know, you can be proud of yourself if you do choose to deal with difficult situations. I guess dealing with disasters, that's this whole skill in itself. Yeah, definitely. You know, when the shit hits the fan, who shows up? Yeah. 
I think that's always interesting when things go, you know, you, you have suffering who shows up with you. Like, how do you deal with stuff? Yeah. Oh, and who shows up through you? Yeah, who shows up through you? Yeah. <laughs> so, um... I had a, I had an intense decade of uh, of introspection, um, and it's still going on now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I call myself a psychonaut. Like I, I like as an astronaut explores space, a psychonaut ex explores the psyche. Love it. We ex explore ourselves. Okay. And I guess I felt like a bit of an explorer, you know, of consciousness of myself. Yeah. I was more just interested to understand myself and understand my behaviors, and ultimately, my my main purpose was to be happy. That's the only reason, the only reason I got into all of this is because I'm a hedonist. I love to feel good, you know, I like having fun. Yeah. And I want to feel good more often. Yeah. So that's why, you know, it wasn't because I wanted salvation or because I wanted to awaken. It wasn't because, you no, know, I wanted to be cool or anything like that. Yeah. I just wanted to feel good. Okay. And I think that's a good reason. As to, in, like, to... that's what you were looking for? Yeah. Well, look, one of the early things you learn in your spiritual development is that it's your thoughts that create your experience. And what creates suffering is believing your thoughts, yeah. especially thoughts that are unhelpful or unpleasant. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's, that's the fundamental cause of suffering. Yeah. And if you can realize that, and if you can realize that you have emotional responsibility, so you're responsible for your feelings, your emotions, you might not be responsible for, you know, what's going to happen in your external environment or, you know, whether bad things happen or people die or health conditions, but you can be responsible for how you deal with things. Yeah. That's like the fundamental yeah. access, I think, of happiness, is realising that you have a say in how you feel mm -hmm. and think. And once you understand that, then there's a whole world of opportunities that open up. That's an interesting swing on the word hedonism. Because <laughs> usually it's like, I don't know, because I feel like this is, you're seeking the peacefulness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, rather than the pleasure. Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, look, peacefulness, you know, there is there is peacefulness there, but it's also fun. It, in, it increases your ability to enjoy yourself. Like, there's all sorts of rules that people put on their happiness, right? Yeah. That all these sort of rules is, oh, I can only be happy when I meet someone I love. I can only be happy when I get that money in my bank account. I can only be happy when my friends are telling me how great my Instagram channel is. I can only be happy when I get, you know, 500 the likes. likes. <laughs> you know, there's all these yeah. rules. There's all these rules that people put on themselves. And it's like your love is, is caged or we put rules on when it comes out and when it's not. And that's all nonsense. Yeah. And those are all beliefs that we believe. Yeah. So consider that ultimately we're, we're just pure happy now. Yeah. We don't need anything. Yeah. But because from a young age we've conditioned ourselves, we go around like being hedonistic means going to the parties and yeah. taking the drugs yeah. and having all the sex and whatever it is, having the food and having the cake. Because ultimately we starved ourselves of all that pleasure, you know, like, because all these beliefs we've had, we have that kind of limit how our ability to enjoy the moment. Yeah, that's how I felt. So I think early, early on, I kind of realised that was the game. How can I? How how can I be really in a lot of joy and pleasure without any of the things that I desire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how can I go to work on a Monday morning and be lit up and excited? You know, how how can I be lit up excited when I get sacked from my job? Yeah, know, there's all sorts so of challenges. So true. So yeah, I guess that was. So I guess that was all quite. At the time, I didn't look at it as a spiritual thing. I just looked at it as just logic, a logical thing to do, to be happy. You know, That's this, really this, interesting. This just makes That's, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. just. Obviously, it's my beliefs that create. Yeah. 
Like, how do I use my brain? How do I use my brain? And if you do something that feels good, brilliant. And you can do it again and again and again. That's great. Most of the things in life that we like, we can't carry on doing. You might like cake, but you can't have it all the time. (laughs) Right? There's all sorts of things that you like, but you can't have it all the time. You might be in love with someone, but you're not going to feel in love with them all the time. A lot of the time, love comes and goes. It's a lot of things that temporal but with the with this work you can always you can always feel better Mm-mm-mm. and you get to choose yeah it's a nice feeling yeah it is that sounds pretty amazing because most of the time like you, say, you don't get to choose <laughs> right right exactly but that's the whole thing in itself and there's lots of great systems out there which you can practice which probably most of your listeners is that what i call everyone listeners <laughs> are you guys are you guys listeners <laughs> <laughs> readers followers <laughs> your fan club the new monks yeah we're all we're all new monks yeah. I got really into the work by Byron Katie I oh, yeah. thought you know she these are just questions that you can use to question your beliefs and once you realise that most of what you believe is nonsense yeah. and then slowly that becomes automatic uh, yeah that was... questioning you, you kind of unlock un... <coughs> I got something in my throat <clears throat> yeah, it's getting a little chilly in here. Um, yeah, slowly you, you unlearn everything that you've learned. So, you, so Byron Katie used her like program. Yeah. For a while, and then you were like, it basically helped you. Yeah. Retrain your mind, and now you don't need it anymore. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did it for like four or five years, and I carried around loads of books with me. I was always giving people Byron Katie books. I did Byron Katie events. I invited everyone to them. Because that was the answer at the time. I thought, wow, this is, in- this is incredible. Yeah. That's what I thought. This yeah. is insane. And that is revolutionary. Yeah. That is a revolutionary concept. Like what you believe isn't true. Like, we know that, but there's a lot of things that we don't even think of beliefs. It's just what is. Yeah. Um, it's, I think there was a guy called, we call it, I can't remember what it's called. It's like it, an is world. This is just how it is. And the truth of the matter is, what's close to the truth is this is how it occurs to me. Yeah. How do things occur to me? Yeah. It's not how it is, because is implies yeah. that something is universal. Yes. And it implies that it's true, absolutely. Yeah. And so the verb to be, or that whole world, is kind of creates this, this truth which isn't necessarily true. This is how it is. This yeah. is how I am. Yeah. So... If you can introduce something which allows for the fact that you have an individual perspective, a guy called Albert Ellis created a language called E-Prime. Oh, yeah, I love this. Right, yeah, yeah. how good is that? It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. So, yeah, and E-Prime is basically English without the verb to be. Yeah. So instead of saying this is how everything is and I am and you are, yeah. it's like this is how it occurs to me, this is how it appears to me. Yeah. Based on my perception, this is what I think. Yeah. That, you know, it, it encourages that sort of, um, the fact that w- we are only a point of view. Yeah. And that's it. Now, and then you have this thing called fuzzy logic. Fuzzy mm. logic is a, is a physics term, which means we talk in probabilities. Mm. Like some things are more probable than others. So the fact, um, I'm going to get home in my car when I drive home today, there's a high probability that that's going to happen. 
Yeah. But it's not totally true. I might not. Yeah. It's all sorts of things might happen. Yeah. So introducing that element of doubt into how we talk, it might be a bit like wordy and take a bit of time, but ultimately it makes you happier. Because living in a world where you get a sense of that, it stops you being so tense, stops so tight, and it stops you, you helps you to realise that your beliefs aren't true. Some of them are probable or have a higher chance of having than others, but they're not universally so, true. So then I guess it kind of takes you more to the truth. Yeah. Yeah, that is, yeah, well, that is, that is. There you go, that is the truth. I'm not saying it's easy. You know, it's not easy living without... Yeah, of course. That of course. human human ability to want to try and have a solid sense of truth about things, but there's a lot of stuff that humans believe that I think we'd be we'd be better without. Yeah, I agree. But how would you explain this to some people? Because I think some, if you say to someone, you know, the world isn't real. Like you say, you can't really use the word "this is" because yeah. it's different for everyone. Yeah. But for some people, I can imagine that's quite hard to grasp. Because it seems so real. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the best place to start is things that are more um, relevant to us. Yeah. Forget about the world. Let's talk about you and me. Yeah. Let's talk about your partner. Yeah. When you say to you know, you know your husband or your wife, and you say you don't listen to me, you're irritating. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're careless. You're. You're silly. You're, you're silly. <laughs> you're, um, yeah. you know, you're heartless. It's better yeah. to say you you know you appear. Or you seem to me, or yeah. I. This is how I feel. You know, this is how I feel. Or it, it occurs to me, as opposed to just saying you are that, because what it allows, it introduces, is that element of like this is just how it seems to me. Mm. Now let me know what you think, mm. as opposed to just judging someone. Yeah, that's true. So it just gives space to the conversation, and I guess, and that's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it is exciting. Definitely, and that's where like the progress comes. That's where progress comes. And like you said, I think, like, basically how, how can you say that one thing is like that? Because obviously that your husband or whatever is yeah. going to be different with different people. Right, exactly. Well, that is true as well. Yeah. I mean, that's close to the truth is they, they might be that way some sometimes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes is one of my favourite so words true. of all time. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it is good, isn't it? And I wrote a blog article about that a long time ago. Yeah. And I think this is where I was in my 20s, yeah. was I was very much in semantics and language and how using different words help to shape how we feel and how we interact with each other. So sometimes. Mm. So, you know, if, you, if someone said to me, you don't listen to me, I might, I might say sometimes. As in, that just gives a bit of space. It feels very peaceful. It gives a bit of space. And on, on the flip side, when you're speaking to someone else, if you've got something to say about them, saying it, that something happens sometimes as opposed to all the time. Yeah. That's actually true. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's truer That's, that things happen yeah. sometimes. And then that people feel less judged. They feel less, you know, like they're being attacked. Yeah. And it gives them... A lot of people just switch into being defensive. Yeah. Right? I think language and the way you talk, communicate is so important. Yeah. Is everything? Yeah, right. Another it word, I, you know, it. another word I really like is the word maybe. Yeah, I love maybe too. Because <laughs> there is, you know, and I mean that in, in, in an honest way. Sometimes yeah. there, there may be some truth. Sometimes there may be. <laughs> Sometimes there may be. Maybe it's a great word. Yeah, it's funny because I think I love also just being in that uncertainty. Yeah. Of things. Yeah. I don't know. 
do you think that is part of it as well, just to not be? I think look, there's there's one thing like being uncert, being in that uncertainty, but then we're coming from the other world where yeah. people live in these rigid yeah. boundaries and these rigid beliefs they have about their partners and about their loved ones and their family, and that's really destructive, right? That's that ru- that that ruin that ruins things because yeah. for for many different reasons. So I think this type of language structures are more useful for that. Then on the flip side, if you want to be some Zen yoga, Zen master or a yogi or something, and you want to be in that un- uncertainty and sort of be in the flow of life, then that's also could be used for that as well. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately this is just a way of sort of breaking through the cracks of these re- absolute beliefs that people have. Mm, yeah, that's true. Even if you're judging yourself, yeah. you know, people love to damn themselves. So I did a, a master's in rational motive behavior therapy. And that was created by a guy called Albert Ellis in the 60s. And he, you know, he was one of the, the guys that was at the beginning of the human potential movement. And he, he was a hedonist. He called it long-term hedonism. Like living a healthy, exciting life long-term. Whereas if you go and get smashed tonight and get messed up, it's like short-term hedonism. Yeah, you know, go around, <laughs> sleep, sleep around with lots of women. You know, you get a bad reputation, maybe Boring. get a few kids or whatever. I don't know. The short-term hedonism. Yeah. Whereas long-term hedonism, let's think of a, let's create a long, exciting, yeah, prosperous life journey, for yeah. everyone around. But part of the axiom of REBT is what human humans do is we damn ourselves. So if things don't go the way I want, or if this doesn't happen, it means something about me. Yeah, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm useless. I'm blah, 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 blah. And look. I spent probably a long time working on that. So I don't really have any of that anymore. But I think a lot of people do. I think that's kind of standard. Not only is it standard, but they believe it. It's true for them. And the thing is, even if you've got something bad to say about yourself, why don't you just say, well, I'm an idiot sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to call yourself an idiot, if if you're going to do that to yourself, and that's the truth. Like, it's not all the time, because there'll be plenty of times when you're not that. Yeah. And also, at the same time, it works the other ways. Like, sometimes I can be really clever. Right. But not all the time. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and once you free yourself up from that absolute belief, suddenly you're at peace. Yeah. Because the fear is that we judge ourselves universally and then we experience that. Yeah. And that's just, that's nonsense. Yeah. Even if, you, you know, even if you've got a husband or a wife who's just, um, an, you know, you're having a nightmare with, that doesn't mean they're that way with everyone all the time they might be a daughter to their parents they might be a loving daughter they might be a loving mum but it's how they occur to you so again it's it's very very rarely i don't think ever you have something that's universally true in terms of our beliefs at least Mm. and then what about this idea that i feel like this contained that there's a higher power oh yeah because then also that kind of relate to this you know, telling yourself that you've done something wrong. Yeah. But actually surrendering to, I don't know. Um, I don't, un- I don't understand. Maybe you can read, I don't. Basically, I think what you said now is yeah. sometimes you blame yourself. For yeah. Things, but then, I don't know, you can also say that there's a higher power that's also sure. in well, control. Sure. I, I think it's, I think it's, Some I think, that. I think it's two different things here. It's yeah. take, accepting responsibility for things and you don't you don't have to you know sometimes things are out of out of your control yeah right but even if you do expend, experience re, or, or accept responsibility that doesn't mean you've got to damn yourself about it 
Yeah. Right, you might have done a bad thing, but that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. You know, you might yeah. you might have been rude to someone else, but that doesn't mean that you're a totally bad and wrong person. Yeah. So even even if we do ex, ex, um say that we're responsible, we don't have to damn ourselves, period. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, you never have to damn yourself, yeah. right? So that's one thing. And then higher power, sure. Mm-hmm. Like you can say, I made this happen, I'm responsible. Or you can say in actual fact, well, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I wasn't responsible. You know, there's situations are so complex. There's yeah. so many variables. So true. There's so many different so facets true. to how things go, go the way that they do. Yeah, it's so true. But interestingly enough, there's an emotion, um, the emotion of guilt, yeah. uh, feeling guilty. Yeah. One of the cognitive consequences of that, that's how people, the thoughts people have yeah. about um, how that emotion gets created is that they, um, they forget about mitigating circumstances. So if you did something bad, let's say, for example, you, you had an argument with your girlfriend, like oh, all of my examples about dating and relationships. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just something that's real for people, yeah. right? Or, or, or let, let, let's say, and yeah, if, for example, you might have had an argument and it, it, if you're feeling guilty, you might, in order to feel guilty, you've got to forget all the other aspects that yeah. might have caused that argument other than just your activity. You've mm. got to forget about those things. But there could be all sorts of other things that contribute to that argument. Maybe she'd had a bad day. Maybe she, you know, she, she, she's got some issues. Maybe... Um, who knows, maybe there were builders upstairs and they're like making all, loads of noise and shouting and blah, blah, blah. Maybe you hadn't... There, there are all sorts yeah, of different so variables things, yeah. that, that can impact that. Yeah. So it's just... I think it's just being a bit kind to yourself. Mm, that's a really nice way to put it. Being kind yeah. to yourself, being gentle. But if you've got a complex that likes to feel guilty, it's very difficult to do that. Yeah. Because so, you're naturally like... You're naturally going to jump to that. Other than uh, Byron Katie, are there any other things that you did personally to help you when you realised? Yeah, um, well, Katie was great. I did I did all the landmark education programs. Oh, I was an introduction leader, so that was like four years yeah. of my life. Um, I, you know, I did a uh, hypnosis. I did a lot of hypnosis meditation. I taught hypnosis at uni, yeah. and I did a masters in cognitive behavioural therapy. So all the CBT stuff, which is basically Buddhist philosophy, yeah. questioning your beliefs. And, uh, and ultimately, that's about moving your mindset from rigid to flexible, not being so rigid with things, allowing yourself to just be more flexible with how events go, mm. which is really, really great. It's committed, lot. committed, but not attached. That's what it's all about. Ooh, what a great phrase. I love that. Yeah. Rewind. Are you, are you digging that? <laughs> hey, <you. laughs> committed. Yeah, committed, but not attached. That's good. Yeah, you li- you're liking that. that. It's an interesting one, though, isn't it? it because is. most people, it's like a contradiction. It's a contradiction. Oh, yeah. What does it mean? But hey, you can be, <laughs> you can be really committed to making something happen, but not emotionally Go on, attached. It. Well, if you're attached, it means that if if it didn't work out, you believe that you wouldn't be able to survive. Like something really bad would happen. Like I can't handle it if this doesn't work out, or this is going to be the end of the world. You know, if if, if I don't get this job, like I'm going to be ruined. I'm going to be destitute. And when you're attached, you're anxious. You're stressed. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're, you, you, yeah, you're, you're actually not your best when you're attached. Yeah. You're probably at your worst. Yeah. You know, you're needy. You're, you're just not putting out your best vibes. So you've got to be able to realise that if things don't go how, they, how you want them to go, things are going to be okay. It might be hard. It might be difficult. But you know what? You're going to get through. And you, you've got to be able to make peace with life not going the way that you want it to. But once, you, once you're at peace with that, that allows you to play. So like, imagine, 
Yeah, exactly. Love it. That's so cool. Like one of the things I learned at Landmark was there are two types of um, people in life. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> that's, that's not true. But imagine life is like a playing field, yeah. and you've got the field and you've got the stands. Some people are on the stands, right? They like to look at the field. But what is the, what are the benefits of being on the stands? If you're looking at the game, pleasure, fun. You get to look at the game. Yeah. What do you miss out on? Participating. Participating and enjoying playing the game. So it's safe. Very but safe. you miss out on the fun of playing. Mm, then you've got the people on the pitch, right? Yeah. What are the benefits of playing on the pitch? They're in. They're in, they're in it. Right. They're in the well, game of life. But what are the risks? It's dangerous. Risky. It's dangerous. They might Uncertain, lose unknown. all sorts of things. So there's risks to playing, especially if you're attached, right? If you're attached, like losing is a problem if you're attached. Getting injured is a problem if you're attached. But if you can play freely and just enjoy the game, then that's the secret. And then you can play to win and have fun. So I think that's kind of it, being committed versus being attached. And the landmark thing is like, can you describe that a little bit? It's very, very intense. Don't do it. (laughs) Landmark is incredible. Yeah. It's created by a guy called Werner Erhard in the 60s and the 70s, yeah. which at the time was an incredible time in California. Yes, right, human really potential yeah. movement. Yeah. It's just an incredible period to be alive. A lot yeah. of the big, famous spiritual teachers, psych- psychotherapy teachers, philosophers lived in California at that time. Yeah. He was one of them. He created a system which was basically like the ABC to enlightenment. People had an enlightenment experience through a system. And he was, you know, he was super, super smart guy. And he created something in the 60s called EST, Mm. which was Erhard Seminar Training Programs. And EST was done by all the famous people at the time, all the Hollywood stars. They were all doing it. It was all the craze. And, um, I mean, look, it's a crazy story. I mean, I don't want to scare your readers. (laughs) Shall I tell it to you? Yeah, go on. (laughs) Let's do it. No, I'm intrigued. No, but basically what happened was uh, Werner Erhard actually, um, this is what it says on the blogs, he took a few ideas from Scientology. Oh, yeah. And yeah. because of that, they have a policy which means fair fair game, which is if you if you take their ideas, um, they have a, you know, they can discredit you. Anyway, he got discredited in the press over all, there was a big article written about him in 60, 60 Minutes or 60, what's that, six, there's a, there's a magazine in America at the time. Anyway, because of that, S sort of got shut down. Mm-hmm. But then it got set up again, okay. like 10, 15 years later, as landmark training programs. And he was like an executive director or a, he was like on the, on the board. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, landmark education ultimately is a system for understanding that you create yourself. Like this character, your identity that you think you are, is a creation that you create from a very young age. And you create this character based on like life experiences you had, decisions you made as a young person to survive. And in you, you've kind of lived your life thinking you're this character, but you're not. Love it. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the roots of like it. So yeah, so it, it puts you back to where you were. It helps you free yourself of all these limiting beliefs, this limiting character that you have. And uh, it's, um, it's very powerful. And it, it's it's about living an inspired life. Um, once you free yourself of your of all the character limitations, you're free to be who you want to be. It's a theory. It's a philosophy. It's not necessarily totally true. I don't necessarily agree with everything about it now. 
as you know, but still, it's a very powerful responsibility for very powerful um, teaching for taking responsibility in your life. But tell me, and, that. Pe- and people do um, great things. I mean, there are some incredible projects that people use that system to do. Yeah. Um, you know, they one person decided that they wanted to build a well in Africa for all the um, local tribes, so they got every single police officer to give them a pound because they worked in the police and they raised something like, I don't know, 200,000 pounds. Really? And then went and gave the check to the head of the tribe in this village in Africa. So, but f- from your experience, oh, right, yeah. what you said just now, it's a philosophy. Sorry, going back to that. Yeah. For you? Yeah. Well, it no, it's... practically. No, it like, does, but I, I mean, I, I think on this conversation, we could, it might, it's such a big topic. That I mean, this is like a bite-sized interview. Yeah, I, I, you can talk forever. Really. I don't. Yeah, I don't no. think we should sort of. I think it's quite a, quite a big, big topic. I want to keep. I want. I want to keep it nice and easy for your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Do you want it easy? Oh, um, okay. So okay, fine. <laughs> if you say so. I think. This concept that we created ourselves yeah. is an interesting one. Did we create ourselves? Uh, personally, I feel that we're born with a predisposition yeah. for a particular um, character, qualities, um, skills, our attitude, our nature is kind of already imprinted, if we're gonna say in our soul. Not in our soul, but in our physical body. Yeah. In our, um, yeah, in our, in our bodysuit, <laughs> I think I think that um, our, our our nature and a lot of our aspects are pre predetermined, mm. along with uh, other other aspects, not only our body and our nature, but also our early circumstances and the family we're born into and the, our our parents and these types of things. So to say that we create ourselves at an early age it's true to a certain extent because we do make decisions that fundamentally alter our character but it's not totally true Mm. (laughs) right bring it back in here we go (laughs) it's not totally true and because of that i think that's an important thing to learn because if you're just gonna okay if you're just gonna delete your yourself and then just create another self because that's what the underlying theory is once once Mm. you've gone to emptiness Okay, what am I going to create now? It's kind of it ignores that yeah. whole, the okay. whole, our whole nature. So as as exciting and as powerful as it is, I don't think it's necessarily where I wanted to. How I don't think it's the right evolution for me. I think once you remove that false identity which we've created, that's when things get juicy. That's when you can allow, I guess, more your real self and your real nature, yeah, and to really experience freedom. And so. From what you said there, yeah. From your experience, yeah. What what does it feel like? Like, so Freedom. doing all this work and like. Well, because um, this obviously you're talking from your experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I'm talking partly from experience and partly from what I've read and learned. Okay. You know, they're two very different worlds. That's very true. And I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and I think what you get a lot nowadays, including me, it's people that are academically very knowledgeable. Yeah. 
but they're not necessarily spiritually through their experience. Um, And I think so that's, that's kind of, um, at the time it felt fantastic. I felt like I was on cloud nine. But then obviously you have all these challenges and issues to face in life, which can flatten you, um, take you down. but maybe we should talk about before we get onto that. Maybe we should talk about my awakening. Yeah. I mean, I did, all of this is part of awakening. Yeah. <laughs> but I had I had probably like a fallow a fallow period of about um, six years, where I was just enjoying the vibes. Literally, I did. I had that big growth spurt, if we could call it, in my twenties. Yeah. And I, I I just enjoyed the. I was after that spiritually. I was just enjoying the ride. I mean, I had a, I, I was having a hard time in life. Um, my career, my career wasn't really working. My um, I had relationship challenges. Um, you know, I'd I'd spent a decade trying to make my self development career happen as this a therapist. This is still in your twenties, yeah. Well, late twenties yeah, okay. and then thirties. Okay. But I'd really pushed. I'd done and I'd done everything that I, 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 I thought I should do. I'd quit my job in the city. I'd retrained. I'd. I'd gone housing benefit, I'd gone on job seekers allowance, blah, 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 blah. So I think circumstances weren't ideal in any way. I would go as far as to say that not much of what I wanted to happen happened. Mm-hmm. And how were you, did you deal with but that? But that being the case, I was still enjoying the ride a lot because I'd done all of this inner work. And you had the realisation. Yeah, so I was, enjoy- yeah, I was enjoying that, that ride and I'd had the realisation that I was the one that created yeah. my experience yeah. and how I felt about things. Yeah. So I think that allowed me to be really resilient, not even just to enjoy the ride. Yeah, great word. Yeah, just just enjoy it because that's. I think that's. You know, I think what's important is not whether you win or lose, but you know how you play the game. That's what my mum always, mum always has told me. Mm. She's right. That's great. Yeah, what's important is how you play the game. So I give myself, I give myself a ten out of ten for how I played the game. <laughs> Love that. I give myself about a four out of ten for results. Three out of ten. Okay. So I'm low in the results game, but I'm high in yeah. that inner game, yeah. I think. In my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, and then... Uh, so then I had this a, a, a real... Uh, I had what they call in the Easter Kundalini Awakening. I love that. A real... <laughs> well, I didn't even know that these things existed. I wasn't on that level. I literally wasn't on that. I wasn't thinking no. about spiritually awakening. I wasn't thinking like, what does that mean? I wasn't, that wasn't a goal. I'd actually said to myself, I don't want to be enlightened. Like I have no need to be enlightened. Why did I'm, you say that to yourself? Because I was just in, because I, I read a lot. I'd, I'd read about the topic and I thought, my goodness, like life is so good. Yeah. Like life is so juicy. Okay. What, what more could you want? Like, why would you want to, what else could you want? Um, oh, so, interesting. So I kind of, I not resigned, but I, I just thought it was a weird thing to want to, do that. Do you want anything else? <laughs> yeah, what what are you searching for? What are you looking for? But apparently that's part of that's part of the secret. Go it's on. not what well, it's not wanting, not desiring. Because I think a lot of people oh, are that's totally when it comes to you. Uh, yeah, 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 right. A lot of yeah. people are totally attached to that. That's so true. You know, they they yeah. they they and it doesn't always happen. What what you tend to find is people that go through these types of awakening um s- situations, a lot of them are just not on the spiritual path even 
They're just normal people living everyday lives. It can get triggered, a Kundalini awakening, which is this process that I went through or I'm going through, um, can get triggered by child, childbirth, um, trauma, um, excessive meditation. If any of you are going to do an aggressive detox, be careful. Because <laughs> <laughs> that can trigger it. Yeah. Um, and uh, energy healing. Yeah. You know, That's energy similar. healing can, can trigger and psychedelics. Mm. All those things can trigger it. Kundalini so, yoga, no? Yeah, like, yeah, it can do. It can do. But generally speaking, most people that are Kundalini yoga people or instructors have never had an awakening. Which is weird because there's, as, as you start to realise in the spiritual world, there's a fundamental difference between knowing about something and going through it. That's so true. You know, let's, let's just suck, suck that in. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Mic drops. <laughs> yeah. There's a big, big difference. And I think, and that's what a lot of these teachers, a lot of the people that are embodied, like have, have embodied the awakening process, they say there's a big difference learning from someone that is going through it. Definitely, I, I agree. Do you think that you can tell the difference? <laughs> I'm probably not, not at the moment. Yeah. But I just think it's important to be mindful of it. Yeah, that's nice. You've got to use your own skills yeah. to understand what's going on with someone, yeah. how they're going to, how they teach. Because I suppose it's also like... And ask them. Yeah, that's true. That's ask them. true. Just say, look, have you, you know, have you, has this happened to you? Are you enlightened? No. <laughs> yeah, like what's you know what's your day to day experience? Yeah. You know what? How how are things? I think these are all important things. I way. think it's important because it's like you said you can talk about something, but there's no like. Look, it's the same instant. with it's it's the same with hypnosis. There's a lot of eighty percent of the hypnotherapists out there are just have learned out of a book, but they're they don't they're all they're not all great hypnotherapists, and a lot of them really. They're like textbook therapists. Yeah. And it's not just hypnotherapists. It could be psychotherapists. It could be Reiki healers. I guess it happens it a could lot. Be, it could be psychics. It could be people that have gone to the... Here, they, they, you know, they've done the course and they're mm -hmm. trained. So yeah, tick box, great. That's good. But still, are they, are they the real deal? Yeah. And I think only a small percentage of... You know. Same's true for me. Yeah. I was a therapist. Yeah. But then I, was learn I learned CBT. That's, just, that's teaching logic, empirical, rational thinking. So it's kind of easier to disseminate and to work out whether someone's the real deal or not. And I guess the thing is, it's not like you're saying it's wrong. It's just everyone's in a different yeah. journey, part of their yeah. process. Right, exactly. It's a good point. Yeah. Maybe those therapists and those t those healers are good for people yeah. as introductory, yeah. to give them an introduction. Yeah. It's just important to be mindful of because I think a lot of people out there can be quite powerful. Yeah. Like you put your faith in the healer, you it's put true, your faith in the therapist. You, I think you just have to be cautious about about that. Mm. And you've got to make sure you ask the, ask the questions. Because you only know things have gone south when they have. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and once they have, it's... Yeah. There's, there's no going back. Mm. So things went south. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you guys have been in that situation. Yeah. It, can, it can be in any situation. It doesn't just have That's to be this. True. Could be in a, you know, it could be when someone's told you to put your seatbelt on and then you have a car crash and you're like, okay. Yeah. Or there could be any situation where there's that realisation that yeah. you're in the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh -oh. 
but no, I had I had um a, a I guess Kundalini, this Kundalini yeah. awakening and an energy an energy uh, treatment. Like and Ricky. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And initially, I had um, this just terrifying, traumatic experience. All I can call it is that it was like just it's like a trauma. But I didn't know what the trauma was. I didn't know where it come from. It didn't didn't make any sense to me during the session at the end afterwards yeah and i had that for like four months i had ptsd and ptsd is intense i mean i couldn't leave the flat i couldn't go into supermarkets i couldn't go into i I couldn't walk around the street it was intense i was like traumatized i had this trauma keep coming back i didn't know what it was i didn't sort of you know i spoke to therapists about it but I couldn't, it was an undiagnosed trauma. Yeah. And I had energy exploding through my body oh, yeah, as well. I had like this energy, but I didn't know what the energy was at the time. I thought just something had happened. I thought, you know, luckily I was a therapist, so I, I kind of knew how to deal with it. Yeah. Like it was almost like all of my training over the years had prepared me for that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky in that respect, I think. Yeah. But then I don't, I think it was meant to be, right? Yeah, I think definitely. these events happen when we're ready for them i guess that's that was my case yeah because otherwise it can be quite destabilizing yeah so then i had this crazy symptoms i couldn't use any technology i couldn't use phones whenever i picked up the phone i had electromagnetic energy going through my body i had it going to my head (laughs) the phone to my head that was weird i couldn't use it like like... like... (laughs) yes imagine or you probably can't most people can't imagine what it feels like to have electricity going through your nervous system but it tracks all of the nerves. I mean, you don't, you're not even present to how your nerves are in your body. No. But when the electricity goes into it, or electromagnet, you can feel it. You can like feel it going worms. through. That's weird. It's weird. It is scary. It's weird. <laughs> it is scary. Yeah. Because you feel very vulnerable. Like, you can't walk around with having ele- electromagnetic stuff going through your body. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. And, uh, so that, and I couldn't use any computers, technology. Uh, I couldn't look at computer screen. I think that ate my eye, my eyes ache so much. I basically went through about four months of hell, like pure hell, that's all I can describe it. And then one day I was lying on my bed and I couldn't look at, I couldn't look at the light. My eyes were aching so much. Like that excruciating pain in my eyes. You know, that's, that is, that's terrifying. I was lying on my bed and I, I, I couldn't leave my, my room because I was in so much pain. I had like an eye, eye, eye cloth on my eye. And then that's when I felt all this energy going up my spine, like very specifically, before the energy was everywhere. Yeah. And, that, and then I knew what that was because I'd read about it over the years, the energy up the spine is the Kundalini. Mm-hmm. And that's a very clear symptom of an awakening process, like that that energy going up there is kind of like, yeah. I So I, I, that gave me, that terrified me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Because then I thought, what's going to happen to me? Like, am I going to end up in India in a toga? And a, am I going to, what is going to go on? What is going to happen to me? Because your ego is terrified. Your ego's got life how it wants it. You know, and when that's at risk, oh, that's scary. So, that that was the beginning of everything that changed my life wow. forever you know my my old life kind of ended yeah. um you know ultimately an awakening process kundalini awakening is a de- deconditions 
it's, it deconditions everything about you. Yeah. It deconditions your behaviors, your habits, your feelings, your emotions, your desires, like all of those aspects of what you're attached to, everything. That is all, it's a bit like you have this energy going through all your energy channels and it slowly deconditions. Changes. Yeah. It changes. Yeah, it cleans them. Yeah. It like takes all of that conditioning out. Mm. And I lost all interest in being a therapist and being a coach and teaching. That was weird. That was really weird. And it was really weird being like 30, whatever, in my late 30s and not having a clue who I was, where I was going, what I was going to do. It was very weird. I think there was one moment where I was selling Christmas trees. Oh, yeah. I, I had a Christmas tree business called Pimp My Tree. <laughs> I and I was like, I was selling trees and I was thinking, what am I doing? doing. Like, what are you doing? <gasps> Love it. But these, that's ego, that's ego death, right? Yeah. That's the death of your ego because yeah. ego's got all sorts of cool ideas, what it sees you doing, you know, what it wants to do. And selling Christmas trees wasn't one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. And, 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 but ultimately all of, like, that's, that's all part of the spiritual journey is, is freeing yourself from all of those attachments and that life. You've got what the ego wants to do, yeah. right? And then you've got what, I guess you could say your soul or your essence or yeah. your plan. And there's a big argument between the two. Like your ego doesn't want to let go of the things. And basically uh, the process of awakening, it slowly rips those things away from you. Yeah. It rips them. Mm -mm. It's like getting discombobulated regularly. Anyway, so that's been going on for four years now, four and a half years. And I'm only just now starting to experience some um, some some real pleasure. As in, like, what is it, is it similar to what you had in your twenties? No, 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 no. No, this is like a totally different level of pleasure. Wow, I love that. <laughs> well, it's different, isn't it? My twenties was all about the mind. That was all about. That was all like books and information and knowledge and. Whereas. And it was all partly ego as well. Not ego, but that sense of identity. And yeah, because it's your mind. Right? I was very proud and happy that I was into all of this stuff in my 20s. It didn't matter if life was going shitty because I knew that I was going to become a great self-development coach. Yeah. Right? So it didn't. That's, that's the thing. When you live in the future of a dream, it doesn't matter how shitty things become. But when that, got, okay, when okay. that all got ripped away... I literally had nothing and part of part of the awakening journey is it takes you it helps you you realize that you're a nobody yeah and that is the worst thing worst thing that's the worst thing the ego is afraid of yeah. being a nobody what does being a nobody mean mm. Un insignificant unmemorable forgotten just the same as everyone else and ultimately we are just the same as everyone else, right? <laughs> we're just the same. Love There's nothing special about, you, you know, we're friends. Like, sure, you know, we appreciate each other's qualities. But if me or you were on a train and we would, you know, we would, we'd just be another, another human body. Mm. And we are, there isn't anything. And weirdly enough, when you accept that there's nothing special about you, that is the gates to freedom. That is the gates to peace and happiness and joy. But it's a very scary gate to cross over. 
because we always there's that sense of wanting to be significant wanting to be different wanting to be important wanting to be something special so it's a scary being a nobody is very challenging Learn, learning to be and I became a nobody on the outside firstly because all of my career my, my careers weren't working my bank account was empty I was living at home I was single didn't have a car and when you look at people everyone looks the same you know there's no you know everyone just looks the same we've got a nose eyes we've got a mouth there's nothing really special about and on an inner level, that was weird. So my outer world was nobodiness, right? It's just, and on my inner world as well, it was just my character, my identity kind of just started to dissolve. So it is challenging becoming a nobody. Mm. It is. It's a weird one. It is weird. As, what you're describing as well, though, I feel like it also... It's like the idea of this universality as well as feeling connected totally. to oneness. Totally. <laughs> You've got to dissolve into nothingness yeah, in order yeah. to connect with everything. You have to end. You know, that... that you have Yeah, to. that view you have about yourself is, is a story. Right? Our, our perception of ourselves is a story. It's made up of, like, thoughts and yeah. beliefs and experiences. But ultimately, it is a... It's a projection within the bigger self. It's a, it's, it might be temp, true on a temporary level, but ultimately, it, yeah, that, that sort of sense of self has to soften in order for you to yeah, that's get a nice sort of... Way of putting it, soften. Yeah. Yeah, less of you. Yeah. That's, that, I was listening to this great teacher, a guy called Wayne Wurz, and he was saying, if there's less of you, there's yeah. more joy and happiness. Yeah. If there's less of you, there's more yeah. fun and playfulness. And he says, he says, let go, let God, yeah, as right. in let go of, of all these things. And it's true. Like if you can just relax and let go of all these like solid views you have about yourself. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, he calls it fading into enlightenment. Ooh. As in, you know, enlightenment is a gentle process. And you just fall into it. Yeah, it's just very gentle. <laughs> like a lot of the teachings are like, this is something that suddenly yeah. happens. People are expecting to have some sort of sudden epiphany. But enlightenment is more than just a cognition. It's a whole sense of it's your being. And that transformation of being takes a long can can take a long time. Or it can happen quickly. It's happened to Eckhart Tolle very quickly. So I uh, it sounds like the whole the whole of your journey from like when in your twenties when you're really into it, yeah. it's kind of been the some the same thing. Just like letting go of this sense of Yeah, it's like it's been a it's it is. It is. And it's and weird it's how you, you yeah. It's weird how you track it, how you track that process. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I always say my life has, has not gone how I wanted it to go. Yeah. Barely, barely any of it has gone how I wanted it to go. But that's, I think that puts me in a unique position because I think some people's lives do go how they want them to go. That's very true. And, and that's not a bad thing or a wrong thing. But for me, I think my lesson was... In truth, ultimately, I think the truth is that we're not in control of our lives. We're only in control of our lives if we're allowed, if, 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 if that's the lesson, if we're, if we're allowed to be in control. But there's all sorts of circumstances where we're not. That's true. We're, and not, I, we're not in control. And we're not really in con Yeah, that's... I think when something happens, like, what happened to you that's so physical, like, with the energy... Yeah. That, that's just, like, completely not in your control. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> 
how do you even i mean i kind of felt even? you know what i felt i kind of felt that i was on like on the top of a mountain yeah things were cool and then i got struck by a bolt of lightning right yeah. and i fell down the mountain like, yeah. ah, like all the way down to the bottom and yeah. i found myself in a foreign land yeah yes where i didn't know I didn't, I didn't know where i was or what i was gonna do Love and i just got up and okay let's try and make this work yeah Love that but I didn't choose where I ended up. I didn't choose how I fell down the mountain. I didn't. All that yeah. sort of just happened. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty wild, really. And then... It's a wild experience. Mm. I'm quite careful about telling people about this, but I'm just going to tell everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> tell the world. Why are you careful about t- telling people? Because I think a lot. Because I think a lot of people are. People who've been through these kind of experiences. Mm. A lot of people are what? Scared of... Oh, not scared, but <clears throat> just cautious. I think a lot of... Some people don't understand oh, yeah, these true. concepts. And um, it's a personal thing. That's very true. What I've been through. And I, I generally, more than most, I'm, I find it easy to share my what's going on with me with practically anyone. Yeah. But I've noticed that, particularly around these topics... If I say to someone I'm having a spiritual awakening, most people c- can't even conceive what that means. Yeah. I I wouldn't have been able to conceive it before yeah. Yeah, it happened to me. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> why why tell like just what's the point of telling them what? Mm. I I just don't I don't think there's any need to tell. I've told a few people, but it didn't. I don't think it really. I don't know. It's just it's a big it's a big topic. I mean, do you do you really want to have to get onto those things all the time? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That's, but that's I do tell true. some people, and just everyone on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's important because it can be quite an isolating journey. Mm. Just I think for people who are going through it, because yeah. sometimes it's like, where do I go? Where do I look? I don't even know. And yeah. it's nice to hear, like, you know, when you hear about Eckhart Tolle and yeah. his stories, it's like, okay, cool. I don't know, it gives you some kind of... Well, you of know what? It's a myth. Support. It's a myth that spiritual awakening is pleasant. Oh, no, definitely. And, right? And yeah. I think <clears throat> most of the people that say it's pleasant haven't been through it. Maybe they're just at the beginning. You know, that most people, they haven't, haven't, they haven't been through it. Yeah. They're talking about what they've read and heard. There are a, a small number of people that are, do have pleasant initial awakenings. Yeah. But still, experience, experiencing the infinite and experiencing yourself as an infinite being yeah. is challenging. <laughs> right, it's not just, it's not pleasant, <laughs> right? It's, it's pretty hard. Yeah. It's intense. I think... Oh, I'm yeah. going to go and have my tea now. I'm going to work. Oh, yeah, I just had this experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, it, does, it impacts your life. Yeah, completely. Like you're, that, if if you have this process, your life is your life is going to change yeah. forever. Yeah. So it's not yeah. something I think that if you wish it, if you want it to happen, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, that's great. Because that. your you know your life will change, and a lot of the things that you wanted, financial success, career success, all those things might not happen. You know. And I think it, you, you yeah. change. Yeah. Everything changes. Yeah. Like, it's a completely different way of being as well. Yeah. It's not just like this idea. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
it is it is intense. How have you dealt with this? Like you say that your life didn't go the way that you had planned or had yeah. imagined. Yeah. How do you? How do I deal with that? Yeah. Just let go. <laughs> I mean, look, in truth, we don't know what's best for us. Like, it's easy for the ego to think that I know what's best, but at best, it's 50-50 chance, my way or this this way or that way. Who knows what would have happened if that these things hadn't happened That's to me true, in my life? I, I don't know. Mm. There's no way that I know. And to be honest with you, I think humans, we like to think we know what's best for us, but there's a good probability, pr- good probability that we don't. Mm. Maybe my life's going in a really cool way. I mean, it is going in a cool way. I, you know, I can't complain about everything that I've been through. So I guess I, I'm quite sort of at peace with mm. with that. I wasn't attached to it going the way I wanted it to. And ultimately, I was committed to the self-development work. Well, I couldn't get more like in that than this. Yeah, that's what I'm so going true. through. Yeah. So in some respects, maybe it's maybe it's like bang on course. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, you only know looking back. <laughs> but um, I think I think in truth we don't know what's best for us. So when these thoughts come up, say every now and then, that it's just like, oh, well, I haven't got this, and uh, you just like remind yourself. Well. Like practically. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, look, once, once this process evolves, once you get deconditioned, you stop needing those things. Mm-hmm. Like, you, okay. you stop needing the career that you dreamed of. You stop needing the relationship that you dreamed of. You stop, you know, you let go of that. Because those are all things that limit your happiness, yeah. right? Those are all things that we're conditioned to want. Mm-hmm. So you have to not have those things in order to free yourself from the conditioning. Mm. So it's like a spiritual challenge. Yeah, that's true which is a good thing, but it's just not a nice challenge to learn because we want to have the things that we want. But ultimately, it's a very useful experience. And also, I think it's, I think that in general, we, our, our brains have become hijacked by sort of this Western view of, you know, like capitalism and materialism. Yeah. And I think it, that's, we've lost touch of why we're here. Yeah. Like, it's easy to think that, oh, I want to have the right job and the right, the the right house and the right partner and I think it's easy to forget about all the other great reasons why we're here to learn and evolve and grow and I think for me personally when I compare myself to this sort of fake view of how life is I miss out on all the good stuff mm. miss out on all the joy and all the all the, just the great things that we're learning every day I love that. you know maybe I'm not here to have a big house maybe I'm not here to have lots of money in my bank account. Maybe I'm not here to have a satisfying career. Maybe I'm here to just be here right now and just to awaken. Maybe this is it. Yeah. You know, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. And that would be okay. Yeah. I think that's a big thing to learn because a lot of people are so engaged in where they're going. It's so true. And um, look, that is a joyful experience. I loved living my dream. I think there's a lot of um, literature out about pursuing your dreams and so living, much. you know living your dream and making that happen yeah. and like where i'm at now i don't know whether that's um i don't think we're here necessarily to be happy i think we're here to grow and here to evolve yeah i don't i don't i don't know whether we're here to create a dream yeah but happy in that sense of like ego yeah 
because maybe you get a different kind of happiness. Yeah, it's different. Like maybe happiness isn't a word. Fulfillment, satisfaction, like being nourished. But you know, there's people all over the world. There's people suffering. There's people dying. There's people in other countries with no food. I mean, look look at the First World War, the Second World War. Millions and millions of people were were dying and getting blown up. What about their lives? You know, were their lives less important? Did they not achieve their potential? Are we gonna? All these other people that are living less than perfect lives but in actual fact all those lives were as useful and important to them as as are even people that are making it i think it helps just for me just to understand different life paths yeah and the value in all of them Mm, okay that's really nice yeah Yeah. and then also i was going to ask you about um having going through all these things and you know you said the electromagnetic sensations and yeah and like you say, you don't like to necessarily talk to people about it openly. What does that feel like as well, just to know that you're experiencing this like thing that's really otherworldly? Yeah. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. And then how do you deal with that as well? Like, because does that cause some kind of like, I don't know. Split. Yeah. Between you and... Other, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I'm used to it now. It's not, it's not a problem anymore. But at first, it's really weird. I mean, look, that's one of the most challenging things about an awakening is that you have the outside world and you've got what's going on inside. Yeah, that's big. Uh, yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, normally there's no split between them. Yeah. You know, you're just living and that's just how it is. And suddenly yeah. you've got, like, all this stuff going on. Yeah. It's like another world. Yeah. No, um, it's challenging, but look, the body gets used to it and things heal and, and you evolve and... So now that you say you've got used to it, is it, is, it, is it kind of like there isn't really a split anymore? No. Well, there's still a lot of, a lot of stuff, but ultimately, um, no, no, there's no, there's no, it's just, I'm just used to it. You learn to survive, you learn to, adapt, yeah. you learn to adapt. That's kind of amazing, isn't it? <laughs> like, for example, I drive everywhere because, okay. you know, if things get difficult for me, I can just jump in the car if things get too intense for me. So I've, you know, you learn to sort of be able to manage your, nice. That's really you manage your existence a bit better. I don't really drink because that has a negative effect on everything. So it's easy, so I can drive, and you're just a bit more careful, you know, just how you manage, manage things, and. I like it. Yeah. And then, uh, just because you mentioned the word earlier, enlightenment. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny word, right? It's just like, what is this weird is concept that... Enlightenment is when you're... And also, it also kind of makes it seem like there's a destination, there's an end. Mm. But is there even an end? <laughs> Whoa. Big I question. Know. I do. So what's your question? What is enlightenment? Yeah, what is your view of enlightenment? All I can talk about is what my experience is. Mm-hmm. And imagine imagine that um, initially, as a human being, you might, let's say I'm a sandcastle. I think I'm a sandcastle. Enlightenment is realising you're not the sandcastle, you're the sand. Okay. So we have, I have this idea that I'm a physical body. In actual fact, what this physical body is, is it lives within consciousness. 
consciousness is unbounded, right? Consciousness is not limited to yourself, but it's localized in yourself, body. in the body. Yeah. But ultimately what an awakening has done for me slowly is it slowly helped me realize that I'm not, consciousness is not my body. I'm not the sandcastle. I'm actually the sea of consciousness that the body occurs within. So there's like a huge expanse of, of space and emptiness. And within that is my physical body. Mm-hmm. So now you could go to many views of what enlightenment, a lot of people think enlightenment is when you don't attach to your thoughts, when you realize you're not your thoughts. And in actual fact, you're that sea of being in which your thoughts occur. Or, you know, you might say you're your soul consciousness. It's when you separate and you realize that you're, you're not your body and you're not this ego identity. You're much bigger and greater than that. And ultimately, this consciousness is, is connected to non-physical, the non-physical realm. Mm. You know, you can, who knows what that is? We've been told, yeah. we've been told by that? many people. But non-physical, obviously, you're experiencing consciousness. It's not, it's not, you can't see it, but it's, it's underneath everything. It's and and that's a very that's a very pleasant place. You know, that space underneath everything that everything is a part of. It's a very liberating space. There's a lot of freedom there. There's a lot of pleasure there. It's not it's not um it's complete. You don't need to crave anything. It's pure. It's complete in itself. So I, I, I have that more and more. It's not something that you suddenly have. It's something over time, like through the deconditioning, yeah. through becoming a nobody, through realizing that, you know, through sort of your ego becoming less big and powerful and just relaxing and resting, it allows you to almost dissolve into this sea of consciousness, which we are. And as you sort of dissolve into that sea of con- consciousness, it is a very pleasurable it's a very pleasurable place. Mm. I think that's about as best as I can explain it. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't Abstract. know. <laughs> I've, you know, I've met lots of different people going through this process. There's a really good website called Buddha at the Gas Pump, mm. which is, you know, interviews with famous spiritually awakening people. And people all over the world have had many different experiences. Mine, to be honest with you, aren't that exciting. Compared, yeah. <laughs> yeah, com- they're quite ordinary. Um, but you know nonetheless it's still quite phenomenal the types of experiences i've had but some people experience all sorts of funky stuff yeah it's very interesting all the different it's very different Mm. for everyone it is very different but it's really a very ordinary thing yeah that's it there's nothing phenomenal about it and and really you don't really need to tell many people even if you you know chat to someone like adyashanti i mean i don't chat to him personally (gasps) But, you know, he's, 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 he's a famous spiritual teacher in California. Yeah. You know, he, he lives a normal life. He yeah. doesn't chat to his family about it. He's just like, I try not to talk to my kids and my wife about it too much. You know, they just live. Just, just live. A, yeah, it's just a thing. It's just yeah. a different way of seeing things, different perspective. That's nice because I think even sometimes when you're going through it, it can seem a bit like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think also there is different types of awakenings because some awakenings strength, not strengthen the ego, but they make the ego kind of feel special. Oh, aren't I amazing? Aren't I powerful? But I don't know. I feel like that's part of the process as well. Yeah. 
do that. No, that is part of the. I mean, there's all different types. There's all, and they're they're all good, and they're all yeah. they're all kind of juicy. Yeah. But some strengthen that sense yeah. of self. That's all I'm saying. And it's all over the. And that's that's just an interesting observation because the opposites happen to me. Yeah. They've destroyed my sense of self. Uh-huh. I mean, I use words like annihilation, Armageddon, uh, to you know, destruction. That those are words that are very real for like that inner that inner process. But look, it's all good news. <laughs> Love it. Um, another question I have for you is... Oh, you've got a lot of questions. <laughs> you've got a lot of stories. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's, nice. it's true. Um, so you say you've mentioned freedom quite a lot as well. Yeah. Freedom. freedom. It's from, Brave, from Braveheart. Okay. What does freedom feel like for you? Um, it's really only a very recent experience that I've started to experience that enjoy moments of real freedom and it was born in my heart because you can have freedom in the in your mind that experience of freedom is in like a cognitive freedom but I think in the heart is where it really out of out of the heart explodes our expression and our feelings and our our behavior and our thoughts. It, it kind of ultimately it comes out out of here. That's like the backdrop to it, I think. And then you could have a life that you dream of, but not feel free in your heart. It's weird. So I think our heart is conditioned. We've caged our hearts. And I think we stopped ourselves from being able to experience that freedom in our heart. Um, Who knows, maybe over many lifetimes, maybe just in this lifetime. But I think once that your heart feels free, then you can be free in a prison cell. Mm. You know, you can be free in a relationship that might not be working for you. Like your freedom is not determined by your external circumstances. Like freedom is a state of being. Yes, love that. Yeah? Love that. (laughs) Freedom is a state of being. This is definitely true. So, and oh my God, how exciting is that? Like it doesn't matter what happens in the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It doesn't matter. That's like, I think that's real, that's real freedom. Is, is the freedom to do or not do. It's, it's the freedom to do as we please or not please. Like we're not, we're, we're not, we're free from just all these circumstances. Mm. And I think that's joyful. Mm. That's real freedom. Yeah. As opposed to, I think a lot of people think freedom is to do with just being able to do what you want to do. Yeah, like the whole idea of having your own will. Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Which is a whole, you know, there's a whole... Yeah, you know, universe of knowledge about, you know, c- creating your will in the world. Yeah. But why, why, why are you directed in a particular way? What, you know, what was it that made you want that career or made yeah, that job? Were you free to create that? Yeah. You know, a lot, no. A lot of the time we're kind of conditioned. Yeah. So I think it all comes out of the heart, that freedom. And I, I, recently I've had a lot of, 
feelings around that. And that's just a joyful, I, look, I'm, I'm 40. I didn't didn't just say that everyone, you didn't didn't hear that. (laughs) And I, you know, I've been following, I've been into this for 20 years now. That's mad. And all I can say is that until I felt that freedom in my heart recently, I, I've never felt freedom. Wow. I thought I did. Wow. But it's like it's like a whole a whole next level. That's so crazy, isn't it? That it just keeps giving. It just keeps getting yeah. clearer and more. <laughs> it's good news. It is exciting. It is. it is exciting and freedom is probably the best thing. It's weird, isn't it? Like why is it? What is it about being human and, yeah. and freedom? There's something There is something. There's something sure. just sort of wired into us. And that is it's 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 joy. And when you talk about the heart, I'm guessing that it's like a physical feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like the way it feels for me is I've had this energy going through my heart and it's like tearing out chunks of my heart that were heavy. Mm. Like old nice. chunks. I don't know what those chunks are, but I think all of these previous behaviours and experience we have are kind of sort of like mud. That stop yeah. us from feeling. Yeah. So it sort of cleaned them out. And then, in actual fact, it was so powerful at one point. I was like, whoa, this is almost a bit scary. But then, like, once you're free, it, in, in, in practice, it doesn't matter what, you, what happens in your life. Like, if you get the job or if you don't get the job. Yeah. If, if, if this happens or that happens. And that's a, that's a lovely feeling. That's that state of equanimity the Buddhists talk about. <laughs> Yeah, equanim- equanimity. Yeah. That is a that is a joyful place to be. Yeah. And um, but in the in the world's eyes, yeah, that's a bit shitty. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know the world. How does the world judge us? Based, you know, what happens when you talk to people? What do you do? You know, where do you live? People, we we all like to share about these things: our career, our our circumstances, and if you look at the like life of an awakened yogi, a guy who lives in a cave. Or, or anything, or it just, it's weird how we have these two realities, you know, and, um, yeah. And so do you think that this process of awakening mm-hmm. is forever? I mean, obviously nobody really knows, right? <laughs> but it's been 20 years, you say? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, I think we're always awakening. I think everyone on planet Earth is awakening. Yeah, that's nice. I think all the challenges that everyone is facing are designed to help them awaken more. Yeah. Whatever those challenges are. Yeah. And there are some difficult problems out there. Yeah. But I think they're all perfectly designed for each one of us. And I think we're always evolving and growing. Yeah. You know, I believe that we're eternal. So I do believe it goes on forever. But I think there are periods when we grow less than others. And there are probably some chill out periods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes just enjoy the ride, have fun, Mm. relax. Mm. And there are other times where we grow like a tree, so. And it's probably not linear either. It's like sometimes it'll relax and it'll be crazy and then it might be even crazier. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just go with the flow. Um, I don't know whether it goes on forever or not, but. Yeah. Or are we all going to heaven? Well, I think even in, in, in the afterlife, from what I understand, what I've read about it, I think we're still, still, we're still learning. Yeah. 
Yeah. But learning is great. It is like there great. can be great. It doesn't always have to be super painful. And um, you know, I don't think it's. Yeah. Maybe twenty years. I think this life, though. I think life on Earth is hard. Mm. I think life on Earth is. I think it's a hard. I have a lot of empathy for people just in general. Yeah. I think it's hard. And I'm sure that's how you chat to anyone. Everyone's dealing with stuff. That's very true. Aren't they? Yeah. It's a hard graft. Mm. What's his name? Yogananda, the guy who wrote Autobiography of Is it Biography of Yogi? Autobiography. autobiography yeah. And he said in death is like freedom. Like life on earth is a, you know, is really hard, but death is like the most exciting thing in, in his belief system to happen. That's interesting. Yeah, for them, they like look forward to it. It's, it's, it's going to be the highlight. But obviously it must depend because otherwise you're just going to like kill yourself. But... <laughs> Do you right? <laughs> what? You must what? If, if that's just a standalone thought. Then All right, yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God, sure. I can't wait to die. But that's, yeah. I think also there's a thing about when, you, when you're human, yeah. you can evolve. Yeah. So then when you die, you go... Right, right, exactly. Yeah, somewhere else. This is a time. This is a time for us. That's why people. I think that's why we're here. We're here to yeah. grow and evolve and experience limitation. That's how we grow through limitation. You only have to look at your life and all the areas where we're limited. That's when I think that's that's part. You might be li limited physically in terms of health, limited financially in terms of things. You might be limited in all all sorts of ways. Maybe even limited in our body. Yeah, and, and limited. Well, I always had this. I always had this need to sort of break, break free yeah, of that. Yeah. Even in my twenties, yeah, it was I always there. And I thought, I thought about it incessantly. It was all I thought about. It was weird, and I thought that was normal. But I would go to work, and I'd just be thinking about it non-stop all day, for a long time. So it's weird. Why do we have these? You know, why do we have these aspects to ourselves? Somebody else might be thinking about playing the guitar, and that's all they're thinking about doing. <laughs> This is playing the guitar. I love that, yeah. You know, I was watching a chess documentary. I love chess and I was watching, you know, Magnus Carlsen, world's highest rated grandmaster in history. Mm. And all he thinks about is chess all the time. All he's got in his brain is chess matches. That's what he gets up, has lunch. All he's thinking about is chess moves. So it's interesting how that, how that all happens. But look, we can chat about that another time. Yeah, that is... Another topic there. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's it, really. New monks, like, 15. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing your story. There's a lot of juice in there, I think. Yeah, I hope I didn't overshare. No, I mean, oversharing is good. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening to me, everyone. And uh, just as a little last thing, have you got any further words to say? Any little bits of uh, wisdom? Not really, just enjoy the ride. Mm. <laughs> I like that. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. I think that's the important thing. Yeah, because it's easy to get caught up in everything. Yeah, and don't take it too seriously. Ooh, that's a very good one. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously. And I was actually having this conversation with a friend yesterday because yeah. we were saying that, you know, you can go have this, like, spiritual experience mm. and get caught up in it yeah. which is actually just the same as getting caught up in the world and like your desires yeah <laughs> yeah definitely 
yeah, people can get totally caught up and attached to that as well. But yeah, don't take it too seriously because that helps you learn from stuff and helps you enjoy it and it helps you. Mm. Like suffering is shit. <laughs> Nobody likes to suffer. Yeah. So learning, I mean, that's what Buddhism is. Yeah, that is true. That's yeah. a system to end suffering. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, for now. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>